The Victoria Anarchist Book Fair Collective acknowledges the Lekwungen and Vesanich peoples, also known as the Songhees and the Squimalt nations and the Sanich nation, whose occupied traditional territories we organize, live our lives, work, play and hold our events upon. Welcome to the 15th annual Victoria Anarchist Book Fair, podcast edition, brought to you in collaboration with CFUV. The Victoria Anarchist Book Fair takes place every third week of September and it brings together local, national and international thinkers, authors and activists to share space and discuss books, actions and ideas. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we have moved our event online. This year, the book fair comes as a series of podcasts that have been produced in collaboration with From Embers, an anarchist radio collective broadcasting from the traditional territories of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. Listeners in the Victoria region are encouraged to visit Kamas Books and check out kamas.ca for anarchist publications and more. Next, you will hear an interview conducted by From Embers with members of the Victoria Anarchist Book Fair Collective. Keep your ears open to hear more of our content on CFUV or tune in on victorianarchistbookfair.ca. On behalf of the uh, Victoria Anarchist Book Fair Collective, um, we'd like to acknowledge that this interview is taking place on the Swanwin Territory. Um, there are a few different nations that made up the Swanwin people. And uh, I, Nathan Mott, am coming specifically from West Dennis Territory and Tim and Allen. Uh, coming from to you from uh, Ronwin territory uh, in colonial Victoria and unceded uh, colonial Victoria BD. And uh, we'd like to acknowledge that uh, we continue to do our work in solidarity with the people of the territory and we recognize the inherent right in the sovereignty, and uh, we thank them for allowing us to to, to uh, invade our work as allies and as anarchists, and we work every single day to combat colonization and the genocide that is taking place on this land and all throughout Pluto Island. So uh, we'd like to uh, consider this interview as part of as part of that work and as part of that journey. And uh, without further ado, uh, we'd like to start the interview and uh, always think of where we are and whose land we are on and how we move forward. My name is Nathan Moss. Uh, I'm a part of the Victoria Anarchist Butler Collective. I've been on the collective for five years. I'm of Romanian and English descent, um, and I've, I've been a visitor on the territory for 28 years, and sadly, uh, it took 20 of those years to really <coughs> understand uh, the situation with colonization and genocide, but I'm here to uh, keep doing that work now that I've started, and uh, I'm happy to be here with Tim and Howard. Hi, my name is Kimberly Croswell. Thank you, Nate, for uh, beginning this uh, for us. I am a settler of Scandinavian and British descent, and I've been on these territories since 2003. Um, I've been an anarchist as long as I can remember, but uh, I think I really had my coalescence as an anarchist uh, in my mid-20s when I actually began working for anarchism as, a, as an activist, as opposed to just reading about it. Though I do acknowledge that the reading is where it begins, which is why I'm dedicated uh, to being a part of the Anarchist Book Fair Collective. 
I'm Alan Atliff. Uh, I was actually born in Victoria. I grew up in Kingston, Ontario. I've been involved in the anarchist movement since the 1980s. And I'm one of the co-founders of the Victoria Anarchist Book Fair. Thank you for your introductions. Can you, one of you or all of you, briefly explain what is the Victoria Anarchist Book Fair? Uh, the Victoria Anarchist Book Fair is an annual uh, anarchist event that happens on unceded Lekwungen territory in, uh, on what, in what we call Victoria. It uh, encompasses both uh, often a festival component as well as the actual book fair on the weekend. So it takes place on the third weekend of every September. And it encompasses uh, many, normally in pre-COVID times, it would encompass uh, many tablers who would come in and share uh, with us their, their talents and their wares, from books to zines to herbal botanicals to acupuncture. T-shirts. T-shirts, what have you. We, Music. It's a real variety of people who show up. And we get uh, tablers from uh, across North America and also visitors from around the world. We've had people from Japan, from uh, Argentina, um, Germany, Germany, uh, many different places. And uh, last, I mean, last year we had someone who shipped us, uh, a um, Kurdish artist who shipped us his work for tabling from, uh, from Germany, for example. Um, so... AK Press tables with us, PM Press tables with us, Little Black Cart tables with us, um, as well as people who, uh, smaller presses like Contagion Press. Um, it's it's a, a, a wide-ranging book fair. Yes, but we shouldn't be, we would be amiss if we didn't talk about the workshops as well. And uh, the workshops are really something that a lot of people gravitate towards when they come to the book fair and they range from things workshops that can teach people how to do practical things like uh, self-defense or um, zine making or typing or whatever uh, to also uh, theoretical stuff uh, we had a really interesting um, one about uh, Indigenous futures, presents, and pasts last year, which was really amazing by Makwala Smith, who is Kwagul Mamtigila, and his co-presenter, Sammy. And they spoke about a future and past and presence of Indigenous sovereignty, values, and kinship. So that's one example. We also like to use the book fair as a means to mobilize for activities that are important in our region. So, for example, uh, when the Anarchist Book Fair was taking place six weeks before the Torch Relay in Victoria, we mobilized that book fair to get people on the ground to protest the torch. I'm not sure which of you is best to field this question, but if someone could speak a little bit about how the book fair started um, and when it started and maybe a bit about how it has changed since then, that would be great, too. Sure, I, I could do that. I came to Victoria in 2003 from Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, and uh, in Edmonton, Alberta, I'd been involved in founding a, a reading circle and, uh, and also co-founded a book fair, which was held in 2003. Um, then I moved to Victoria and took up a teaching position at the University of Victoria. Um, when I came to Victoria, I was welcomed by a large community of anarchists. And eventually conversations uh, got around to, um, to what was going on in Victoria as far as uh, really embedding an anarchist presence here. And my ambition was to keep this book fair idea going because I'd seen how it uh, really um, gave people a, a place to uh, educate themselves and uh, radicalize their point of view in Edmonton, uh, a very productive space of learning and transformation. And so I was eager to, to start something like that in Victoria. In 2006, some people who are involved in the Victoria Anarchist Reading Circle uh, which had been going on since, I think, 2005, um, they proposed to do a zine fair. And they asked me to speak about anarchism at the zine fair. And so I did. It was a small event. But uh, we treated it as like a first experiment with um, holding something like a book fair. 
And the next year, we took it to the next level and really launched um, the book fair as it's organized today. We had the benefit of anarchists who joined us who were from uh, Quebec, who've been involved in the Montreal Anarchist Book Fair, and their input and guidance was invaluable. They really gave us a template for organizing in terms of how to invite um, uh, tablers, how to organize uh, events and workshops, how to create a zine that you can d distribute, strategies for promotion, and so forth. So um, the torch was handed on to Victoria from Montreal <laughs> um, very effectively. Uh, so, so we held the book fair in a downtown location. Um, and it attracted a lot of people. It was a great success. We were able to um, to go around the tables and ask people to donate and in that way build up a fund for the next year's book fair. And that's what we've been doing ever since. Uh, mm -hmm. The tablers donate 10% of, uh, of what they've been able to make in the course of the book fair. Um, people are also excited by, uh, by the variety of workshops that we held. Um, Something that I felt very strongly about uh, as a um, someone who studies the history of radical art was um, was having a good poster. And so I contacted a indigenous artist, Gord Hill, Kwakwakiwak, to create the first Victoria Anarchist Book Fair poster. At, it was the second version of the Victoria Anarchist Book Fair, but really the one that launched us. I'd like to add in on over time something that the book fair really strove for and this was particularly like the first few years we were just getting our feet wet and starting to really coalesce about what we were doing and how we we would move forward um, but uh, really early on we really strove to have indigenous um, solidarity politics in our work and so basically we did things like anti-colonial walking tours in the 2008 so that we could educate people of what the original names and place places were in victoria and the songhees people we wrote a, a very important um solidarity statement which we always post in this in the doorway as well as online did you read that kim please Sure, I can read it. Um, the Book Fair Collective supports the struggles of Indigenous peoples throughout North America to assert their cultural autonomy and territorial sovereignty. Victoria is located on the traditional interlapping territories of the Lekwungen and Songhees peoples, who have endured the seizure of much of their land by force and repeated attempts to obliterate their culture through multiple forces of colonization. The resilience and strength of these and other communities who make ancestral connections to this region in the face of injustice challenges us to support them and all Indigenous peoples in the ongoing struggle against colonialism, capitalism, and cultural genocide. This is something that we work towards, and it's taken many years because it, we didn't have a lot of relationships in the beginning. We were developing these relationships. And uh, as we develop them, we gain trust and we make mistakes. I, I have made mistakes and I've had to learn from my mistakes. And um, I think it builds strength within our communities to be able to move forward together and take what we learn and just work and move forward. And on that note, I'd like to ask Nate to also speak to how he believes the book fair has changed over time because Nate has come in for the last five years. Yeah, so uh, I came in five years ago. Um, my journey to anarchism uh, kind of started uh, when I was um, in my mid-20s, although I, I did say earlier that I really started becoming aware at 20, but about six years ago, I went to Tremolton College on Wachanic territory here in Victoria, and I took Indigenous Studies. And I, would, I completed the program six years later, and through that, I became aware of indigenous uh, culture 
and the history and the, and the maintenance of the uh, Canadian genocide and what was happening uh, continuously and presently uh, on our on the territory in particular. And so around that time, uh, I became more and more involved with anarchism. I started going to the bus fair simply as a curious individual. I didn't understand what all the workshops were about, but I did. I hung around there. I met people, and I bought some books. And then uh, a year or so later, like in... Uh, 2014, I'd say, I met Tim, and uh, then I met Alan, and so after that, I became part of the uh, book fair collective, and I used my combination of uh, experiences with the indigenous community, both radical and academic, and anarchism to help Artman, uh, our solidarity piece, so that we could really uh, hone in on it as a butler. And so Alan and Tim really got the ball rolling, and uh, I've been able, and I've been blessed to be able to have a lot of good relationship with uh, not only Anna, but indigenous people are some visitors uh, here and others are from here and other indigenous people across Turtle Island. So I've been able to add that piece about the importance of, well, this is, a, uh, this is colonialism and that there have been a lot of things that have been lost due to colonialism and genocide. There, there are still um, opportunities uh, for indigenous people to retain sovereignty and to retain control of their land resources, culture, and ceremony. And so for me, that was kind of the piece that was really brought to me uh, through my journey throughout indigenous studies and, re and realizing that there was more to it than even promoting God uh, was uh, teaching me as a settler. And so I was able to kind of connect the dot and realize that, you know, sovereignty and, and uh, helping indigenous people and communities regain the freedom and the rightful uh, place on their own land and decolonizing is really the place where I started to plant out. And uh, I've been blessed and I've been fortunate that the entire collective uh, starting in 2015 for me, uh, I've been really open and uh, really uh, allowed me to kind of uh, explore and establish relationships and then transform those relationships into opportunity for the uh, for the book itself. And uh, it's hard work, but it's work that uh, it's why I became an anarchist. And uh, it's something that we're really passionate about collectively and, and uh, certainly something that uh, I will continue to work on and do well as well. But that's really, that really been my focus as a collective member, is making sure that uh, those relationships are fostered and that we follow protocol at all times and we focus on um, the issues at hand, not only in terms of representation, but also using the book for opportunity to for the uh, for the Lebanon people to have language uh, workshops at at our fair uh, to have uh, opportunity to come and talk to us about some some of the resistance movements that are going on within the territory and, and nearby. So we've all tried to focus on on those 
beat the planet, the land, land with the ceremony and weight of life so that we can augment the chances of indigenous people retaining the rightful nation and place uh, on their own land, as I said earlier. That's been my whole mission. Uh, now, my mission divided to uh, over time, as Alan and Tim have been introducing me, uh, along with the other members of the collective, introducing me to more and more radical anarchist thought and uh, and acting and acting methodologies and way to resistance. But that's what I really brought to the table at first, and uh, it's something that. I'm happy to do, and uh, it's really something that I want to do. I want to make my life work. You know, I want to continue to grow and grow and, and never stop helping the book there. I don't become a place where people can transform and gain new ideas. And most of all, just have a space where we can be anarchist and be be free and be happy and get together and and talk about revolution. Thank you so much for that. Uh, you actually anticipated my next question, uh, which maybe Kim and Alan can also speak to, which is why a book fair? Why is the Victoria Anarchist Book Fair important? Why do you think it's worthwhile? Um, in Edmonton, when I started the uh, book fair with a uh, with the collective who were doing the reading Edmonton uh, Anarchist Reading Circle. Part of the idea was to give people a place to go where they could buy anarchist publications, literature, encounter new presses, new ideas, and so forth, um, participate in workshops. In the absence of any social center like that, or any um, avowedly anarchist presence in the city, there were no radical bookstores in, in Edmonton. That was a real absence. In Victoria, the launch of the... Uh, Victoria Anarchist Book Fair really coincided and dovetailed with another project I was involved in, which was uh, the founding of Camus Books, our anarchist bookstore in Victoria. And uh, so part of this synergy, very productive synergy that developed between the Anarchist Book Fair and and, uh, Camus Books was one of uh, mutual aid, uh, mutual promotion, and uh, using Camus Books as an extension of the book fair during our Festival of Anarchy to Stage events and so forth. Um, I've mentioned that uh, over the years we've encountered people coming into the book fair from other countries. I should also say that uh, many people come to the book fair and encounter anarchism for the first time at the book fair who are from the local community. So one of the one of the reasons um, that I find the book fair so satisfying is just to see the, this large variety of people coming through the doors, getting excited um, about what they're discovering and going away with a different perspective about anarchism and also about the state and also about, well, things like indigenous sovereignty uh, and other issues that have been addressed. It um, The book fair really functions as... Um, as a, uh, a space of opening and, um, and exploration that otherwise wouldn't be there in, in Victoria. And I think I, I've been to a number of anarchist book fairs in different places, and I've seen the same interdynamic. The book fair also reinforces and helps uh, people who are doing the hard work of uh, publishing, you know, our comrades who are putting out the publications that we learn from uh, in a very practical way holding a book fair is is uh is good for uh, what it supports other radical publishers uh zinesters people who are engaged in in um, in creative work and uh, have a political outlook that's informing their creativity and with the book fair they have a place to interact with others um make new connections and get their get their uh work out there well for me 
I'd like to tie in both of what uh, Alan and Nate are kind of referring to, to express how that the book fair for me is about community building. And that's what it was from the get-go uh, with the inclusion of community groups like Food Not Bombs who have been serving at every book fair every year for 15 years. And it's an opportunity for people to gather and meet new people and meet each other at the workshops or out in the courtyards any any anywhere people can gather and see, and see look at what other people are picking up and maybe interested in reading and just talk about maybe what that book is about or what why are they here or maybe they're going to an anti-pipeline workshop and they want to find like-minded people they can organize with to oppose a pipeline yeah we've we've actually the book fair has actually served as an important uh is an important Launch. mobilization yeah. tool. Like we we bring people together to mobilize together, and to talk about not just to talk about what is needed to be done, but actually organize and to take the next steps from talking into action. And so that's what we did in 2009 with the Anarchist Torch Relay. Uh, a disruption. Um, that's one of my favorite years. Actually, it's another year where Gord Hill design, designed the poster. And the poster is an image of uh, what looks like a group of clandestine um, activists with one person holding a, a fire brand, like a torch with fire, and another person pointing on the map. Let me describe what, uh, or let me read what Gord himself wrote about this poster. It's got the torch for obvious reasons, but it also illuminates and helps people find their way through darkness. The British Columbia flag is turned upside down. According to the Okanagan and Sepwekamek, it's actually referring to a treaty made between their nations and the colonial government. As long as the three rivers flow and the sun shines, the tribes and the colony will live side by side in peace and friendship, neither interfering with the other. Bracket. Similar to the two-row wampum agreement between the Dutch and Six Nations Confederacy. Close bracket. I placed rings coming out of Victoria again to relate it to the Olympic torch relay, etc. And uh, so at that book fair, we played a very special game. It was called Spot the Cop. And uh, and so we did. And uh, uh, But uh, more than that, it was just really a really important means for people to come together and to be invigorated in empowerment so that they were empowered in their resistance. So we had people like Splitting the Sky attend that, that year, and he spoke about his life as a warrior. And for anyone who doesn't know who Splitting the Sky is, he was a veteran of the Attica prison uprising in 1971 and an elder at Gustafsson Lake standoff in 1995. And that year he had attempted to arrest George W. Bush. Yeah, um, indicative of uh, the importance of the book fair that year, um we were involved in mobilizing against the 2010 Olympics under Gord Hill's slogan, No Olympics on Stolen Native Land. That was a tremendous effort. And of course, it impacted across Canada as the uh, as the build up to the Olympics happened. And uh, the torch relay was to begin in Victoria. We successfully disrupted it. And that is partly why uh, we had visitors, police visiting. Uh, I should mention that uh, they also, the police also disrupted our venue. They intervened and put the fear of uh, of anarchism in the in the minds of the people who are the directors of the not-for-profit organization where we had our book fair. So we had to move it. We did move it. We refused to back down, so to speak, and uh, kept it going. Yeah, and now... Uh it's uh, continuing, and we're not even going to let COVID stop us. Yeah, in our own way. I had to do some research about British Columbia's COVID policies in advance of this, um, but I see that gatherings are actually like technically legal, up to 50 people in BC right now. There would have been like some legal potential for in-person workshops. Uh, what made you all decide to do an online event this year, and how did you come to that choice? Well, we have a larger uh, capacity than 50. Generally speaking, we have uh, maybe maybe less of the amount of tablers who you normally show up. So uh, our book fair is a venue that requires a larger group of people to come in and really engage. And so 
our workshops would have more than 50. And we didn't feel that was feasible in this pandemic. And uh, so we decided to physically postpone uh, the work, the actual book fair until the following year after the time after COVID and just reinvigorate the idea of uh, valuing books and authors and anarchism and local um, activism in, in the term and by using podcasting as the new medium for this era. We uh, viewed the podcast option aided by from members as an opportunity to actually expand the scope of our presenters, uh, take it more global, which that's is true. what's, you know, that's happened. So we made a virtue out of uh, a necessity in a way. Um, I should also mention that uh, we are going to be promoting Camus Books as the place where people in Victoria can go and get their radical literature throughout the, the book fair week. So we're hoping that under these circumstances, um, people can benefit by going to Camus Books, where we have been practicing a strict protocol vis-a-vis -vis how many people can come in at, at one time. Uh, we have plexiglass up to... Um, to separate uh, the people behind the till from the customers and so forth. And masks are encouraged. Yeah. What is putting the book fair online going to change? What do you think will be accomplished by an online event? Uh, and what's going to be sort of lost and gained in switching to that medium? Well, you can't replace face-to-face. -face. And the spontaneity that goes with that, the pleasure of seeing people who come every year to the book fair and meet each other again and again and again. You can't replace the physicality and of picking up a book, flipping through it, getting excited by what you're reading. Um, you can't replace the intima intimacy of, um, of attending a workshop and, um, and having the free flow of back and forth of questions and so forth. Those things have to do with what it means to be a human being. You know? uh, even sitting out on the grass and on the lawn outside the book fair and uh, sharing, sharing food. I recognize there are many things that are going to be uh, lost as a result of this situation. I already mentioned the positive side, or at least one aspect of it. That is the international, the capacity to have people from England, Hawaii and, and elsewhere, New York, uh, who might possibly not be able to attend, share their ideas and thoughts. The positive side of this is that we can, we're hoping that with the support of From Embers that we will have greater outreach in a different capacity and intrigue people about what goes on in this area of the world in the best of times. And by being able to bring together different voices from around the world, we are hoping that we can introduce people to new aspects of anarchism that they would not have maybe encountered on a local level. That being said, we're also still really attentive to the local. And uh, I'd like to point out that we are hoping to have uh, topics that we can talk about in, through this week of podcasts that you are so grateful, we're so grateful that you're helping us with, that we will have local topics as well. But uh, yeah, it, it turns us not so much as into a, a, a multitude of people who, who meet together at one place where there's random encounters, but we are turned into more pods, pun intended, in order to find our groups of people that we are kind of listening in groups. Groups are listening in groups. Is that something that you're encouraging for people to uh, sort of, quote unquote, attend the book fair in groups and discuss it in person as well while, while listening to it? Yeah, I mean, why not? That's a, it's a really great model. I mean, you can listen in your small pods mm -hmm. And you can uh, discuss what uh, you hear. You can. Um, there's going to be an online blog blogging component that will be ongoing, and it's going to be listing a whole bunch of uh, current events that are happening on the ground here. Um, and so people can engage with that. Um, and that's on our website, uh, VictoriaAnarchistBookFair.ca. I'm a digimate about um, a lot of things. It's about we didn't. It's about. Solidarity. It's about community. It's about uh, respect for the land and other people and other ways of living. But above all else, I found 
over my journey throughout anarchism and indigenous solidarity. It's about relationship, and it, and that's what the book fair is allowed people to do is form relationship. And I I'd like to talk about one friend of mine who has been a big part of the book fair over the years, and that his name is Audie Thomas. And uh, he's from the Walmart Nation. And every year I uh, see and his Walmart dancers and dinners have uh, opened up the book fair as we acknowledge the land with the beautiful music and dawn that he had back down from his family. And uh, he's done a lot of work and he's an example of a relationship that uh, we formed through solidarity and love and respect. And he's a great, he's a great individual and his family has been great and uh, it, the relationship has, has been reciprocal and uh, we we uh, appreciate everything that Adi has done and uh, he's a great friend of all of it. And so that's what it's all about, it's relationship and taking those relationship and uh, continuing on to make the world a better place. So yeah, I just wanted to point that out and uh, that he's a, a great friend of ours and one of the consequences of a virtual book there is that we don't get to have that opening ceremony, that reminder of the dawn and tradition and trophies of the Roman territory. But he's uh, an example of why we do this work. So that those, so that those dawns and those daddies and their families can, can want to then thrive and flood and keep keep going on for generating to come. Augie has Augie has meant a lot to all of us, yes, and uh, I acknowledge that from the bottom of my heart as well. Thanks, Nate. I had the chance to interview some members of the Montreal Anarchist Book Fair Collective last year. So obviously they were doing like an in-person book fair pre-COVID. Um, but they sort of emphasized how the book fair itself <laughs> is fun and relevant and useful perhaps for attendees. But in fact, for the collective, it's like a lot of work and sometimes not always the most fun. Um, can you speak a bit about your organizing process uh, and what it's like to put together the Victoria Anarchist Book Fair for you? Well, we have a really tight collective and everyone um, uh, pre-COVID times used to meet in, our, in Nate's living room. Um, we've, we've rotated through different uh, folks over the years and that's a reflection of the strength of the anarchist community in Victoria. So there have been a number of years when I have not been involved. There have been, been a number of years when Kim has not been involved and yet the book fair continued. As I mentioned, uh, the Montreal folks, uh, uh, when we first launched the book fair, we had the advantage of uh, past experience from Montreal. Uh, we were able to develop a very robust uh, template, I would say, and uh, we've, we've stuck to that and handed it on. Um, so the knowledge has not been lost. And as a result, the book fair has maintained a real consistency through um, through the passage of different people being involved. Every time different people join the collective, they bring their own interests, insights, contacts into the book fair. Hmm. So one of the things I've experienced and seen over the years is change, which is a process of enrichment. And for me, learning from others. And I've loved that. 
For me, it's more about um, I'm very much interested in seeing uh, the result. And so I'm very task oriented. And uh, I also come at it with an idea that we have uh, certain benchmarks or times that we mm -hmm. have to reach certain goals at certain times of the year. And at the very beginning, when we're just starting for that year, that's the first thing the whole collective talks about is what the timing is going to be like. How are we going to uh, work things out and what needs to be done first, second, third? And, uh, and at that point, we div divide up the work based upon who wants to gain experience and who wants to do something who can bring in their experience. So there's a lot of sharing. There's also a lot of uh, people who are inspired to do creative work. So, for example, the zine is often uh, something that people just want to do as a creative exercise. Uh, on some years, but then in other years, the zine is just, we have the template, let's just plug in the template and just do it and get it done. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on the energy of the people that are there. Um, uh, there is a lot of uh, give and take between everybody and uh, we are an invite only collective. So people who are invited to join and then we collectively decide before we make the invite if that would be good for the collective and then it happens. And we brought in someone new this year who is a very techno technologically savvy person who is able to help with the podcasts. And so this year, instead of uh, focusing on timing and having goals to achieve by set amounts of time. We've been focusing on, on technology and what sort of technology do we need to uh, be able to work with. Um, and, and then the time has come uh, to reach these goals and come to some sort of fruition. Mm -hmm. So we're not really rushed. And I think if any sort of collect a collective starts to feel stressed about what they're doing, the stress happens is if they didn't time themselves properly and they are, they're over rushed at the very end. And I feel like we have uh, set ourselves up with really good timing and uh, we are, we are basically on time and it's makes it a lot easier for us. We innovate. Um, last year we were told by our regular venue that they were converting one of the, um, rooms that we usually use for workshops into an office space. And so we had a meeting and talked about it. And we bought a huge tent. We set up the tent attached to the gym where the book fair is held, and we had workshops in the tent. Um, and then later on, we found ourselves loaning that tent out to actions that were happening at the BC legislature. Yes, those are the Wet'suwet'en solidarity actions. So we set up the tent so people were occupying the legislature can have a place to sleep. Yeah, things happen. <laughs> Good things. What are some of the online events or workshops happening this year that you are each most looking forward to? I have an interview coming up with Dajin. Uh, uh, point of Antecto Pride. Uh, they've been, uh, or she had been, uh, along with her family, involved in uh, frontline radical anarchist indigenous uh, movement uh, for most of her life. And uh, she had been uh, up and down uh, what is now known as Vancouver Island living and breathing uh, indigenous sovereignty and protecting of the land and protecting of revival of the language and uh, revival of indigenous autonomy and uh, freedom to live with their dominant system and their, their ways of uh, living. And she has been a huge... Uh, influenced uh, for myself virtually and uh, he taught me a lot uh, during my uh, decolonization and artist uh, journey and uh, so I'm going to be interviewing her uh, about her journey and to uh, where she came from in terms of being a, a young girl and uh, growing up 
are indigenous and having no challenges and how to evolve from there into uh, really an indigenous into a matriarch warrior uh, woman uh, who is a tiny example for uh, women uh, in her community and also uh, an artist who uh, are engaged in solidarity uh, work because she really holds settlers uh, and anarchists to account. And she, uh, I know for me, she's really uh, she's not afraid to get on my, on my behind if, uh, if I make a little mistake, you know. And then uh, those are good, those are good things to learn because we need to sharpen our, we need to always be, you know, to account at settlers. And we need to keep learning and growing. And that scene does a great job of that. And uh, he takes it easier on me now uh, because he knows me for so long. But yeah, he keeps me on my clippy toes. And, uh, and I've learned a lot. And I'm looking forward to interviewing her this week. I'm looking forward to um, some hip hop performances that are being organized by Lee Reed uh, in Hamilton. He's um, he's still in getting in contact with people, but I understand he's going to be putting together a series of performances um, that we're going to be streaming, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure how it's going to work. Um, I've also been deliberately not checking out any of the other interviews by uh, people in the uh, Book Fair Collective because so many interesting people are being interviewed, and I want to share the surprises and learning moments for for the 14th to the 20th when things are being aired, and uh, I can tune in every uh, every day and learn something new about um, the people I've been working with and and their insights and dialogues with uh, people like Ruth Kinna in the UK and and others. I agree. I'm interested in learning about uh, the kinds of questions my compatriots in the Book Fair Collective come up with. Mm -hmm. um, they're all really amazing people with very intelligent minds, and they all come at things from different perspectives. And so I'm interested to see, to hear what their perspectives are and how they foster the conversation with their interviewees. So I'm really intrigued to see to hear what's going to happen on that score. But I'm also um, happy to promo that uh, I'm excited to also uh, have had the opportunity to interview Kathy Ferguson as my person who I've focused on. Kathy has been a very inspirational anarchist in my own work, work as an aspiring academic. And uh, she's her book on Emma Goldman, Politics in the Streets, is the first book I cite in my dissertation um, because Kathy is a genius, and she never talks about that but because she's very humble, but I, I think the world of her, and I learned so much from her. And we spoke about more than just the cult of personality around Emma Goldman, but the fact of the matter is that there is a movement, and there are a thousand women who were in a movement that Emma Goldman was just one person being a part of. So it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting the response from my compatriots about what they think about that. One of the advantages that you mentioned to having an online event is that people can sort of participate in the book fair from all over the place without having to travel. If people are listening to this and they are like, oh, cool, I can go to the Victoria Anarchist Book Fair. Uh, how do they do that? How do they find you online or otherwise? They can reach us on our website, victoriaanarchistbookfair.ca, all one long word. <laughs> And uh, that's where our blog is, and everything will be posted there. I'm also under the impression that From Embers is posting things as well, so there's two locations, am mm -hmm. I correct? Yes, absolutely. I should also mention that we also have a Facebook page okay. and a Twitter account. The Twitter handle is Victoria Anarchic Bookfair. Great, yeah, and we can link to all of those uh, different ways to find you in our show notes for this episode as well. I guess one thing I should mention is uh, I'd encourage anyone who's interested in starting a book fair in their community to just email the Victoria Anarchist Book Fair 
um, crew, uh, we'd be happy to share our experience. Something that I, I hope has come through is the way in which the Victoria Anarchist Book Fair has built connections that are enduring connections in 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 Victoria um, and uh, reinforced activist and resistance politics in the region over over time. Uh, we proved ourselves uh, to be tenacious, <laughs> despite the the various forces and. I mean, as speaking as someone who's had the police knocking on their door, uh, the various forces that have tried to uh, take us down or, or disrupt what we're doing. And in terms of uh, in terms of uh, dimension that we haven't talked about, uh, which means a lot to me, as part of the book fair and the Festival of Anarchy, from time to time we put on art exhibitions, as well as um, as well as performances, uh, musical performances. Uh, we that's that's part of our outreach. Um, for example, in um, 2012, we um, we put on 150 years of resistance art show showcasing Indigenous artists. In 2010, uh, we uh, staged a exhibition um, at the University of Victoria Art Gallery downtown, uh, showcasing the work of the World War III Illustrated Collective, an anarchist uh, collective that was founded in 1980 in the United States. We had a panel discussion involving Gord Hill, myself, and others in the World War III Collective to talk about the interface of art and, and radical politics. Um, and so the Anarchist Book Fair is uh, also a cultural event. And I just want to stress that that's also part of the uh, process of outreach and developing a cultural resistance generally. Great. Well, thank you so much for all of your time today. Um, I'm really looking forward to hosting all of the interviews that members of your collective are coming up with. Um, I think it's going to be a really great event. Uh, so thank you again for including us. Our collective strives to uphold the lives of indigenous peoples throughout Turtle Island and the world. We recognize the inherent right of indigenous peoples to assert indigenous law, practice cultural autonomy and territorial sovereignty. We stand opposed to all acts of colonial land seizures, systemic racism and any attempt to undermine indigenous cultures and histories. We of the Victoria Anarchist Book Fair Collective strive to challenge ourselves and our community to grow in our responsibilities to apply anti-colonial learning, anti-racism and international and ongoing mutual aid to indigenous peoples and all those marginalized by the forces of colonialism, state power, capitalism and cultural genocide. If you like to directly support the struggle for indigenous sovereignty, visit unistoten.camp, which is U-N-I-S-T-O-T-E-N dot C-A-M-P, or visit ancestralpride.ca and the Matria Camp on Facebook. Or check the show notes of our episodes featuring indigenous land defenders on victoriaanarchistbookfair.ca. You're listening to CFUV 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded, unsurrendered territories of the Hussainic and Lekwungen peoples, this land now referred to as Victoria. CFUV is proud to amplify Indigenous, Femme, and Queer voices on our airwaves. To see a full spectrum of our programs, please visit CFUV.ca. We are the tribe that they cannot see. We live on an industrial reservation. We are the Halusa Nation. We have been called the Indians. 
We have been called Native American. We have been called hostile. We have been called pagan. We have been called militant. We have been called many names. We are the Halusa Nation. We are the human beings. The callers of names cannot see us, but we can see them. We are the Halusa Nation. Our DNA is of earth and sky. Our DNA is of past and future. We are the Halusa Nation. We are the evolution. The continuation. The Halusa Nation. Halusa Nation. Halusa Nation. An eclectic group of award-winning string wizards will come together to present an evening of fear candy from various roots. What? Is that true? <laughs> Ear candy. CFUV is people-powered radio, and sometimes people make mistakes. That's how you can know we're not robots. CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria, or visit us online, cfuv.ca. Disappear. 
recyclable prayers. The people, the people, the people, the people. This is my body which is given for you. The people, the people, the people. this is my blood. The people, the people. We are not a conquered people. I was on fire. 